The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So Bubba, you know, we have all these holidays on the American calendar and one of them is Labor Day. Now, that's not uh, baby delivery day. Right. Right. Uh, when we hear that moniker, Labor Day, what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, work. Work. Right? And we're recognizing mm-hmm. people who work. We're recognizing uh, the, the labor mm-hmm. that goes into the work product and banks and Farms and hospitals, and factories, factories yeah. all uh, all across our society, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought back to the first job you had, the first labor that you put forth where you got paid, and any lessons you may have learned from that? You know, I, I think to my first job, and my dad indentured me. No, he hired me out mm-hmm. when I was yeah. 14 years old, and we lived in Kentucky. And there was a guy who owned a cattle uh, ranch, and and he uh, he had a dairy there. Okay. So my my dad also, I think, was trying to get me back from me being an early riser. I've Mm -hmm. always been an early riser. Four or five o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. I'm up. I've always been that way. And if I stay in the bed until 6 o'clock, I'm all stove up. I barely yep. can't move. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. It's just who I am. And I'm sorry if you live with me and, you know, Daddy gets up at 4.30 right. in the morning. It's just who I And so my dad realized that about me. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to get him a job that starts mm-hmm. at about 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so my dad was a minister. This uh, guy who owned the dairy was in our church. Next thing I know, I'm getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. riding my bicycle over right. to the dairy about two miles away mm-hmm. and helping him milk cows. Yeah. Now, there are a number of things that you learn practically from your first job. Now, these weren't like old-fashioned milking cows. You were like attaching a pump yeah, to them and all the that. The guy actually yeah. had, you know, for 1970... A, uh, a a a process pretty modernized and, 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 operation. Yeah, you know, you had to put the things on, on mm-hmm. make sure everything was working right and the pressure was mm-hmm. right. And you know, if if every cow was expected to emit a certain amount, and if, if it didn't, you start looking for the reason why mm-hmm. and mark that cow. And some vet may have to come and and ch- test it. And I'm 14 years old, and this yeah. man's put me mm-hmm. in charge of this. Because after about the third or fourth day, he's like, I think you can handle it. I'm going to sleep in. Yeah. So I, I exactly remember 61 cows. Mm-hmm. And those cows, you know, they've been taught, conditioned throughout their lives that this happens two or three times every day. And yeah. so, you know, at about 3.30 in the morning, they're bumping on the gate mm-hmm. trying to get in and get the relief. Right. And so they, they were basically standing there almost in line for me, and I had to deal with them. Now, a number of these principles that I learned, First of all, it had to be done every day. Mm-hmm. You know, you wake up, you got a little sinus infection, yep. you don't feel good, still got to go do it. 
Uh, no excuses. Mm -hmm. What are some of the, the lessons you learned from your first job? Um, I, I, so I, I remember my first job was mowing yards. Okay. Right. And I thought it was a great job because I had a little route, uh, on my road and I could, I could push the mower from my house okay. over to where I needed to be. Okay. I think I got paid $10 per yard, mm -hmm. uh, which to me was wonderful, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, um, I think that being punctual mm. Mm -hmm. was probably mm -hmm. one of the <laughs> best <laughs> lessons that I learned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not that I was ever late by any means, uh, mm -hmm. but I think being on time because I was anticipating working so I could get paid. Right. 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 And right. showing up on time. So the little that lady that you're doing her mm -hmm. yard, she's expecting yep. you to be done every Saturday morning. Right. Mm -hmm. is, is that what you're saying? Yep. And if it was Saturday afternoon, yeah. she's looking for you. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. So this accountability, this this being punctual is a very important yep. lesson mm -hmm. to learn in, in our work life. Now, the reason I'm asking this question related to Labor Day is that, you know, I think sometimes we forget the lessons we've learned. You know, those early lessons we learned when we were a kid and we were afraid to, to mess up, and mm -hmm. then we get to be about 50, and we got a little experience under our belt, maybe a little balance in our 401K, and we almost feel like we don't have to do that way. That We don't have to mm -hmm. live that way anymore. But I think there are some of these lessons that are just hard and fast, and you ought to take them through your life sure. with you. Sure you should. Right? Mm-hmm. Because punctuality and responsibility and the fact that you ought to be there every day mm -hmm. that you can are important things that keep our capitalistic system going. Now, did we lose, you think, a little bit of that by working at home through the COVID thing where nobody's looking over your shoulder and, and no boss is, is there and maybe? I, I think to a degree you did, but uh, along with that, you know, um, many meetings are done online now mm -hmm. by, by a teleconference or a video conference, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So you do have that aspect that you need to be there and be on time and, and do certain things, but... Uh, along with that, with, with no oversight, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, can you allow yourselves to slip Well, see, a little some bit? people are self-starters. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily need any oversight. Right. I mean, you know, you and I are, have been doing this radio show a long time. we got this executive producer sitting in here now with us, Phil Woman. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember the last time he missed. That's right. Right? Yeah. And there's no boss here. His boss mm -hmm. is in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. But for some reason, he's got it in his fiber, maybe a principle mm -hmm. he learned earlier on in his life, that he needs to be here. Mm -hmm. And this place not going to run very well without him. And, and he takes pride in that. Right. And is oversight necessary for all people? Not for all people, no. And I think in, in Phil's case here, and, and many folks, you know, they are self-starters. They, they, they're self-disciplined. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but other folks uh, need somebody to kind of ride herd on them. Oh, yeah. And I don't think that's insulting. It's no. just a different personality. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Some people need somebody to kind of get them going in the morning, mm -hmm. give them some direction. Uh, they also like to be there with somebody so that that uh, entity or that person or that boss can um, congratulate them, pat mm -hmm. them on the back. That That's part of that. And those people who are self-starters may not necessarily need that every right. day. Now, that's not to say that from time to time, Phil doesn't need for us to say thank you. 
Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, he doesn't have to have that every day. Yeah. Yeah, but some of us do. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about some of these 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 uh, principles we learned at, at our first jobs and then how they apply today, even if you're 50 or 60 years old, and how our society is made better by them from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Craig Cooley, with you right here on Super Talk Radio at the Advisors Roundtable. Thanks a lot for listening and being uh, there consistently, and also thanks a lot to all of our sponsors. Couldn't do it without you. So, Bubba, we're talking about principles we may have learned from our first jobs. You know, we've, uh, we went through that first segment there, and we, we got, what, three or four or five right. principles? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, I looked online just to see if, if there were some articles or some other people around the world who, you know, this is scary, that may think like me. And believe it or not, there are a few people over the last few years who have either blogged or written articles about some things they learned from their first job. Here's one I think is cool, and it kind of relates to, uh, you know, uh, having a paper route or mowing grass or milking cows, outdoor kinds of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, this particular person uh, had a job. They started at 12 years old um, where uh, they would get a, a small pig and they were responsible for feeding and nourishing and, and taking care of the pig. And then in the uh, the fall of the year, when the, the fair came along, they would take the pig there, this huge animal mm-hmm. now that they'd been working on for almost a year, um, and uh, show it, see if they would win anything, and then they'd sell it. Okay. All right. However, their particular fare in, in their county had a minimum. You had to weigh the, ca- the, the pigs in. Okay. And uh, if your pig didn't weigh a certain amount, first of all, you didn't get to show it. All right. And then secondly, you didn't get to sell it. Yeah. So you're stuck with this pig. Mm-hmm. All right. So this person is telling all these principles that they learned from that experience when they're 12 right. or 13 years old. And one of them, one of the, the, when he's listing all the things he learned. Make one sure of, you feed that pig good. Yeah, <laughs> and one of them was, them's the breaks. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you think, last year I fed the pig a certain amount mm-hmm. per day and made sure that there was water here and exercise and a place for it to be and, and washed it down and, and all that sort of stuff. I did my job, mm-hmm. and last year it worked out real well. This year, for some reason, I got a pig that just, you know, had a faster metabolism than the one from last Mm -hmm. year. And I get there, and it looks like it's about the same. I get there, and it's 75 pounds lighter. Mm -hmm. It didn't make the minimum, and I didn't get to sell it. And he said, them's the breaks has been a really good maturing lesson for me to learn. Why is... Why is them's the breaks? And I know that's not necessarily correct grammatically, but those are the breaks. You try all you can sometimes, and things just don't work out. So I I don't know if it's sometimes or many times, Mm -hmm. right? But things just don't go the way that you want them to. Not always. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you get every client you think you ought to have? No. you know, somebody new joins your church mm-hmm. or moves into your, your community and you introduce yourself and you tell them it. you think you've got the most education mm-hmm. of anybody in your in your profession. Mm-hmm. you got the most certifications and you got the most licenses and you are the most qualified, you think. Mm-hmm. And you find out they don't use you. Right. 
You're going to lose uh, your religion over it. You're going to get mad at them. You're going to hate them. You're never going to wave at them on the street again. I think if I did that, I wouldn't really uh, be very popular in town. Mm. You know? Sometimes. And I think I think there are individuals who think that, right? Mm. And and live that way. Mm. Um, and it's it's got to be a lonely existence. Well, that and, I mean, how could you go through life with that much resentment in your heart? Right. Huh? Yeah. You know, it, it, um, well terribly immature and also indicative of the fact that you just didn't learn this this life lesson a long time ago and that is them's the breaks Mm -hmm. i mean sometimes you try the best you can did you ever study for a test and didn't make a great grade yeah you know and and you think you know i put in everything Mm -hmm. I, i thought i did i thought i paid attention i thought i listened to the professor and it just didn't work out right now, can you use that as an excuse just to quit studying? You shouldn't. You can use it as, as an excuse to quit studying, but you shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. How about this one? Uh, another person uh, around America talked about some of the things they learned from their first job. Uh, pumping gas. Mm-hmm. Way back when in the 1970s. Yeah. Now, do you remember, uh, you were born in 1979. 79. Yeah. All right. Do you remember service stations where you actually pulled up and an attendant came out? Yeah. So I remember two. I remember the Dixon service station. And I also (laughs) remember the, I think it was where the Chevron is now. And there was a guy named Gene there. Okay. That that did full service. Okay. Yep. Came out, checked mm-hmm. your oil, mm-hmm. looked at your tires, maybe checked your tire pressure, yeah. uh, uh, cleaned the windshield, mm-hmm. uh, looked at your windshield wiper blades while he was doing that. Right. He was actually the one that got gasoline on mm-hmm. his hands because yeah. you didn't have to get out of the car. Mm-hmm. Now, now, we're explaining an experience that a lot of people listening to us are like, what? Yeah, don't probably don't even remember or even... So, but uh, in some locales, right, and I'm thinking, uh, and I think it's Washington State, mm-hmm. uh, you're not allowed to pump your own gas. Uh-huh. Or the last time I was there, you weren't. Okay. And I thought it was the oddest thing. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. I'm a grown man. Yeah, I can pump my own gas, <laughs> right? Right. But in these localities, um, they didn't allow you to. Yeah, uh, for a number of yeah. reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, it's going to provide a job for somebody yeah. and they don't want you to, to, to pollute and whatever right. reasons, right? Mm-hmm. All right. This guy says that when he had this job back in the 1970s and he started when he was 15 years old and he did it for three years while he was in high school, he said that there was a slogan actually mm-hmm. hanging at the gas station that said, service is our business. Mm-hmm. Service is our business. Can you name the number of places you really feel like you get good service? Yeah. They do they stand out to you? Absolutely they do. And and more importantly, I think you're willing to pay okay. extra uh, for those services. Uh, now there may be a business differentiator for yeah. somebody out there mm-hmm. listening. Like, you know, why isn't my business growing? Mm-hmm maybe, you know, just don't throw it out there and, you know, build it and hope they come. Sure. Maybe service needs to be one of the commodities you're mm-hmm. selling. Actually, this guy says that's what he learned. Right. He said, yeah, we were we were selling oil and we were selling gasoline and, you know, we were selling a little bit of Windex up on the, the windshield, but we were selling service. Right. So all those other things were commodities. Mm-hmm. And he said, my boss 
was as serious about us having a good supply of service yeah. as he was about having us a, a good supply of gasoline in the ground to be pumped. Mm-hmm. When you you said you can uh, remember, it stands out to you where you get service. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think of those places, is one of the first thing you think of their service, not necessarily their commodity or their business? Uh, so I'm thinking very specifically of a hotel chain, okay. uh, and I, I, you know, it's the Ritz Carlton, right, right? Right. And I don't know if anybody has ever had the opportunity to stay at a Ritz Carlton, but they're pretty nice places, yes, right? Yeah. And the thing that that really struck me about the service model at the Ritz Carlton is the way each and every member staff member goes out of their way mm-hmm. to provide a level of service to you. Yeah. And it and it's like ingrained in them, right? They take one step back yep. and they say, "Welcome to the Ritz Carlton." Yeah. Or you know, yep. is there anything that I can help you with today? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, around every corner. Yeah. Around every corner. Yeah. And you, you kind of get a little tired of it after a while, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it's ingrained in their culture there at the Ritz Carlton to mm-hmm. provide that level of service. Yeah. Uh, uh, Karen and I, the first time we stayed at a hotel chain like that, I think it was the Four Seasons, mm-hmm. but it's the same right. kind of thing, same kind of experience. We were coming out of the swimming pool late one afternoon, mm-hmm. and one of their employees was walking along with us and made sure that we ha- had you know, enough towels and asking questions. Mm-hmm. And he happened to ask in the conversation, well, how many days are you guys going to be here? Oh, four or five. What do you plan for tomorrow? Well, we're going to get up in the morning and we're going to exercise and then we're going to go to breakfast and then there's a car picking us up and we're going to such and such excursion and blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. That's all we said. Okay. He said, have a good day tomorrow. See you later. Mm -hmm. The next morning, knock, knock, knock at 530 on our door. Yeah. And we'd happen to tell him, you know, that what time that the excursion started. Sure. So we were going to have to start the exercise at a certain time. Mm-hmm. At 530 in the morning, a knock on our door. I go to the door and right there is a basket. Mm-hmm. And in that basket are some water bottles. Yeah. Three or four different routes of jogging around the property. Mm-hmm. He had remembered which of the excursions yeah. were going to go on. So we had pamphlets for that. Mm-hmm. All that was there couple of towels, yeah. you know, whatever, just over and above. And it probably made the entire trip. Oh, my wife. Yeah. She ain't quit talking right. about it. Yeah. You know, and, and we're, we're talking Ten years like, later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but maybe 30 years right. later, whenever right. it is. Yeah. But yeah, she has not stopped mm-hmm. talking about it because it was that impressive to her, that level of service, mm-hmm. that consideration for somebody else and their feelings and their experience and what they're going to say about your entity and your business and all those things were were wrapped up in it so she spent the next four days trying to find this guy Mm -hmm. every time where do you think that's him is that him no his hair wasn't that dark we know he didn't part his hair on that side no he's taller than that and so after about two, two and a half days, we found him, and she laid a tip on uh-huh. him, buddy. Yeah. You know, she pulled out the fin, and he got right. one of those. Well, yeah. of course, then the rest of the time, we got over and above service. Right, yeah. And it was, it was kind of a perpetual thing, and it started yeah. like a domino sort of effect, all because of this mm-hmm. dude walking back from the pool, listening. Mm-hmm. Service, you know, 
It can be a commodity. Sure. It can make you stand out. It's a great lesson to, li- to learn. After this break, we're going to come back, and we're going to continue to talk about these lessons we learned from our first jobs at the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. Thank you for joining us again at the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk Radio, Certified Financial Planners, Cooley and Labus with you right here talking about uh, the holidays that we have in America and specifically highlighting Labor Day and uh, labor means work. I want to say uh, before we t- go too much farther in this show, thank you to all those people who got up and went to work today. Certainly. You know, my brother... Uh, few months ago, uh, I helped him manage his, his uh, cash flow, and, and he asked me, he said, do you think I'd have a, a little bit more uh, money every, every week and that it'd be okay? And uh, I looked at it, and I said, yeah, I, I think, you know, maybe another $15, $20 a week wouldn't hurt. And I said, what are you thinking here? And he said, I'm going to get it all in ones. Okay. I said, you are? He said, yeah. And then he said, when I pull through somewhere, and somebody at the drive-thru or somebody, an attendant somewhere or whatever, I'm going to start passing out $1 and $2 tip mm-hmm. just saying thanks for being here. Right. Now, now, over and above that, I'm probably going to tip on you know my mm-hmm. meals and other things. But just over and above because there have been so many times that you, know, you try to pull through yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And especially during the COVID times, they may have been closed. Sure. But because of social distancing or because of employment situations or whatever. And he's just glad that you're there. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way in, in a lot of, uh, in a lot of situations, you know, you, you get, you, you want to go to the doctor. You're glad they're there. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. you need a plumber. You're glad they answer. Uh, and so thanks a lot to labor and the people who do their jobs and, and do them well in America. So a number of these, um, these lessons that maybe we've learned from our jobs, specifically we're looking at our, our first j- uh, job. Uh, here's one, and I think you'll really um, uh, identify with this one, Bubba. This is somebody, I'm getting all these offline, you know, I'm just pulling them mm-hmm. uh, because I did a, a search of the lessons we learned from our first jobs. A number okay. of people have blogged and written about this. So here's one. First job they had was a telemarketer. Mm-hmm. They went off to college. The only job they could get was being a telemarketer. Now, can you imagine that job? I bless their hearts. I can't imagine that job. And you can imagine that job because basically that was my job. Mm. Yep. So uh, starting my career uh, as a financial advisor, twenty three years old in Atlanta, mm-hmm. a city that I didn't know a soul in. Right? Mm-hmm. How was I to get uh, new customers or clients? Mm-hmm. Right? So I had a really easy job. It was to uh, call people I didn't know and ask them for all their money. <laughs> Where'd you get their phone numbers? Uh, we had these pre, uh, basically prescribed lists that we purchased and, okay. you know, you know, whether demographics would, would say, well, this is, you know, a couple that's going to be, uh, you know, upper affluent, okay. that sort of thing, maybe have some investable dollars of a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. I mean, whatever right. the right. list was that, that I was working on, All right. um, had a lot of hangups, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people uh, that, you know, wouldn't even answer the phone number one because they probably had caller id uh those that did answer the phone would probably hang up on you yeah. uh, pretty quickly yep. and i would say out of every 100 dials that you made you probably had one individual that was uh nice enough to chat with you a little bit okay and answer some of your questions okay even though they may not be a qualified prospect 
Okay. So these lists that you guys supposedly mm-hmm. had come across, whether you purchased them or, right. or gleaned them yourself or, or whatever, uh, all the information wasn't necessarily valid. In other words, they're supposed to have, or they're supposed to be qualified. Right. They're supposed to have mm-hmm. a certain amount of investable dollars. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be worth this. But as you got into the conversation with this one person, sometimes you found out that's yeah. not the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. So them's the breaks. Them's right? the breaks. Right. Yeah. However, there are also some other, uh, also some other things you probably learned from that. How about the importance of persistence? Yeah, that's that's true. So even uh, for the individuals that would, because those lists were expensive, right? Um, and maybe you make a hundred phone calls, uh, of which ninety of them didn't answer the phone at all. At all. Well, you always want to come back to those. What if I just, you know, called and they didn't answer? Yeah. Yeah, so you kept that right. one, mm-hmm. yeah, and you went back to it. Or the folks that hung up on you, you mm-hmm. know, you'd, you'd mark them off. Or the folks that, that did actually talk to you, mm-hmm. well, you follow up with them pretty pretty consistently and regularly. Okay, so there was a method to this madness, right? right? Mm-hmm. So you got some importance of persistence there. How about dealing with rejection? Oh, yeah, you got a lot of that. All right. Yeah. So can you remember your first day at work and maybe, you know, you, you're starting this, they gave you a script mm-hmm. and you start dialing. Can you remember how many dials you had to get to before you got to the one person who would talk to you? Like, you know, you had some people who didn't answer at all and you had some mm-hmm. people who hung up on you. Yeah. Uh, you, you did you have to go 20 or 30 calls into it before you actually had a warm body to talk to you? Probably 40. Really? Yeah, 30 to 40 calls. So after yeah. about 25, when it didn't work, I mean, it would have been understandable. If you and said, I would call that a, a conversation that was substantive, substantive that was longer than one minute. Really? Right. So you had to go 30 or 40 mm-hmm. dials before yep. you got that. Because m- many times, you know, you'd, uh, you'd st- start off with your script, you know, I'm Bubba Labus, UBS, Payne Weber here in Atlanta. I know you're busy, so Clint. I'll be brief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. But then you get... I'll be brief and you get your first sentence mm-hmm. out and then you give me an opportunity to respond. Right. And you had to do that. And if that. they say I'm not interested, click. Yeah. Then you mark them off. Yeah. So you, so far you've learned the importance mm-hmm. of persistence. You've learned dealing with rejection. How about staying focused? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have to say the same thing every time? Uh, I mean, and to this day I can rattle it off just like <laughs> I did, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, you didn't get lazy into it. No, no. Huh? And, and I think one of the keys, uh, that I, I really learned in, in that avenue or that, that aspect of the job Mm -hmm. was, uh, and this is going to sound crude when I say it, Mm -hmm. you got to treat people like a jukebox. Okay. And what does that mean? Okay. Well, a jukebox, you feed in a quarter and then you shut up and listen, right? In this case, if you got individuals talking a little bit more, okay, people love talking about themselves. Uh, you know, and if you ask them a probing, prodding question, mm-hmm. oh, that that's great. You know, how how'd you choose to to buy a Home Depot stock? Mm-hmm. Then they'll go into a long you know story about how they work there, or you know they they knew the the CEO or okay. or whatever it might be. All right. Yeah, and so that helped you get to know them. And you're making notes all the time? Absolutely making notes. Okay, Mm -hmm. and this proved fairly successful Mm -hmm. for you? Yeah, and in fact, one 
Uh, one particular call that I remember doing, uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Gene was a retired airline pilot mm-hmm. and got to talking about, you know, investments and that sort of thing. And, and finally, I qualified him pretty quickly when he said that he owned, you know, uh, 1,500 shares of, of Home Depot or whatever it was. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got that much, do you own any other stocks, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a, a, a vast portfolio of stocks. Okay. Well, from that point on, we were talking about bass fishing. Oh. You know? Oh. Again, know me, like me, trust me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And he became a client. He did become a client. Actually, right. a, a really good client. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, there are a number of things we all can learn from our first jobs. Here's one. Babysitting. Mm-hmm. So, this lady writes that uh, my first paying work was babysitting. At, at some point, I would put the kids to bed, and I'd have some idle hours to myself before the parents came back. Well, I figured out that I could get a big tip if I cleaned the dinner dishes. Mm-hmm. If I also went one step further and I read to the kids so that in the morning the kids would say, Oh, by the mm-hmm. way, and this girl's name was Amanda, Amanda read us the three pigs right. last night. Yeah. I also noticed immediately that the parents were extremely impressed and grateful. Not only did I get an extra tip over and above what I got paid, mm-hmm. but I got referrals. Right. Now, this girl is 13 mm-hmm. years old. Yep, and figuring that out. Yeah. Right? She says, now when I tell people about this, I tell them to use your idle time to be productive in two ways. Mm-hmm. Number one, practical work. So when I put the kids to bed and I knew it was two hours because they told me the parents said they were going to be home at 11 and I got the kids to bed by nine, I'm thinking I got two hours. A lot of my friends sat around on the phone, Mm -hmm. but I looked around and I saw those dinner dishes. I saw that the cat needed feeding. Mm -hmm. I saw uh, other opportunities. Number one, I just looked around me Mm -hmm. and I saw that I could use my idle time to be productive. The second thing I realized was I needed to have them notice what I was doing. So the next time I would come over, I'd kind of make reference to, would you like for me to tidy up the living room? Mm -hmm. Would you like, and when they got back and I had, not only had I used my idle time, but Mm -hmm. I'd use my idle time in a way to to promote myself. Right. Huh? Mm Mm-hmm. This is a 13-year-old. Now, there are a number of us who are 50 years old. And when we're at work, we're thinking about not being at work. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about the first opportunity to get out of here. Yeah. Oh, it's clouded up. Can I go home? Mm-hmm. And the people who are really successful in their jobs, probably the people who are most happy in their jobs, are the people who are productive like this. That's right. They look around them see things that need to be done, and then they remind their boss or the people around them that those things did get done, and maybe there's another way to handle it going forward. Finding ways to provide added value Mm -hmm. makes you stand out, not just from your competitors, but maybe even other employees around you, so you get that promotion, you get that raise, um, and life passes faster. Time passes faster when you're doing something. Great things to learn from a babysitter. Right.
All right, we're going to take our last break here at the Advisors Roundtable and continue this discussion. Uh, what did we learn from our first jobs, and how did that prepare us to be more successful? Thanks for joining us again at the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Cooley and Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. We're talking about some of the principles we learned from our first jobs in light of a Labor Day as one of our holidays here in America. Here's one from Andrew out in Los Angeles, California. He writes of a principle he learned from his first jobs. He said, during my elementary and middle school years, I offered a garage decluttering service to my parents' neighborhood. Okay. All right. number of things old Andrew learned from yeah. this. He said, first of, t- first of all, items tend to pile up, and then a lot of times they rarely get organized in certain people's lives. They're too busy, or it's not their personality, or they're, you know, they're, they're not OCD or whatever. So I helped my uh, neighbors sift through their belongings one time per year. So I'd set up an appointment. I'm going to be here, Bubba, the 1st of uh, April every mm-hmm. year, or yep. the, the last day of August, or whatever. He said, one of the things I realized that a lot of people buy stuff they never need or never use. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff in people's garages they've never opened. Mm -hmm. So he said, I would tell them when I would get them as a new customer or client, I'd say, okay, I'm going to go through this and I'm going to kind of, you know, put sports stuff over here and outdoor grilling stuff over here and lawn maintenance things over Mm -hmm. here and gardening things over here and things I really don't know what they are. I'm going to put out yep. here, and if it looks like it maybe needs to be thrown away or it's broken, I'm going to put it. I'm not going to throw anything away mm-hmm. until you authorize me to, but I'm going to start organizing like that. And then when you tell me what you want to keep, then I'm going to put it back in an organized way. Right. So all your gardening things are in one section, all your sports stuff mm-hmm. is in the other. So he said that he did not have, by the time he had done it his third year, he started when he was 13. By the time he was 16, I had no space available on my calendar. Okay. The word got out that I would do this. Yeah. And so I realized that people buy things they don't need and a lot of times they don't, uh, they don't use. Here's another thing. Emotional attachments. Mm-hmm. So remember that pile he made over here, the things yeah. that looked like they were broken or they hadn't been used yeah. or haven't been opened or whatever? He said sometimes people would get to the edge of tears mm-hmm. uh, right up to to crying when i suggested maybe that needs to be thrown away right. Bubba. yeah you, you you know those 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 hand shears over there mm-hmm. both the handles are broken right maybe you need to mm-hmm. uh, oh i can't yeah. get rid of them do we form emotional attachments to things or or, or like a, and i just thought of this cleaning out a garage right mm-hmm. he's in southern california what does anybody need with ice skates you know what <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah you know? yeah there's probably right. stuff in there sure that you know they moved from oregon 10 mm-hmm. years ago yeah right mm-hmm. and so they got stuff that they used in oregon right and you know that's probably true for anybody that mm-hmm. moves from one section of the of the and and one uh, region of the country right. to another. Mm-hmm. You got probably things in your attic in your garage. You know, this kid's service it was a valuable a valuable thing, and he learned some valuable things about adults. Mm-hmm. They buy stuff they don't need, they don't use, yeah. and also they have all these emotional attachments. Now, do we see that sometimes in our business? Certainly, yeah, we do. Like. Emotional attachment mm-hmm. to certain assets yeah. or certain holdings in their portfolio? Well, I inherited that stock from my grandfather. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Enron was good at one time. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's exactly right. So as I, as we're going through this and we're talking about this, you think a number of people are listening and thinking, you know what? I did learn some principles from that mm-hmm. first job, but maybe I kind of forgotten them. Right. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm not living by those things I learned early on. You know, the going from house to house. Let me ask you this question. You talked about one of your first jobs. The, the first job was mowing yards. Mm-hmm. How'd you get those customers? Um, I think it was just from neighbors that were elderly and needed their yard mowed. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I believe that I was approached by one of their sons. All right. So you know, see a young kid running around in the neighborhood. Hey, you want a job? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did um, did you, ha- in some instances, go around knocking on doors and trying to sell your service? After I learned that I could get paid for mowing yards. <laughs> you better believe it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, there was some rejection in there, yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. working the telemarketer thing. Right. Uh, the cold yeah. calling. Mm-hmm. So you learned that early. But if you right? had four or five yards to do every week, mm-hmm. right? It was like 50 bucks every week. Oh, yeah. I was rolling in the yeah. dough. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. In the 1980s, yeah. you were the dude, huh? Now, it, it, it took all morning to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Yeah. And b- because this labor thing is, is a commitment mm-hmm. of your time and your expertise, sure. right? So here's another one. Uh, this was from uh, John, and he's in West Palm Beach, Florida. And, and John says that I was a grocery bagger at the Winn-Dixie. Mm-hmm. And my biggest takeaway was knowing how to listen and follow the rules. One of my first assistant managers told me that it was straightforward ab- about how to bag the groceries. Canned goods go in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Cold stuff is all together. Yeah. Bread and eggs on top. Now, that seems to be logical, right? It does. What do you think he, those principles he learned there, canned goods at the bottom, cold stuff together, bread and eggs on top, how do you think he applied that later in his life? Well, Some of those kinds of logical uh, things. That there is an order to the way in which you should do things. Yeah. And, you know, you can't get in a hurry mm-hmm. and sling those eggs in there and then right. put that, uh, you know, yeah. green beans on top yeah. of them. Or put the bread on the bottom and then just start slinging the, the cans of green beans on top of that. Yeah. Uh, there are some hard and fast rules that apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we have to learn as we're growing and, and we get into our jobs and our businesses. You know, um, gravity applies to everybody. Right. Rich or poor, billionaire, uh, you know, uh, miser. Some things we all need to learn to live by, and they're hard and fast. You want to keep this Mm -hmm. job? Don't put the bread on the bottom. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. put all the cold stuff together. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think his... um, employer was abusive by making him follow hard and fast rules no i mean that's that's the way it should have been done mm-hmm. if you're baking a cake you, i mean you you follow the directions and the instructions on how to bake it otherwise you're just gonna have a big old glob of flour yeah yeah so i think sometimes 
in this age, we have been influenced to think mm-hmm. that anybody who makes me do something is trying to control me. This, this assistant manager trying yeah. to tell this grocery bagger how to do it mm-hmm. wasn't trying to control him. He's just saying, in this environment, if you want to get paid, this is the way you do it. Right. Right? And we have that in our environment, in, in our society. There are certain things you do and do not do or you shouldn't even think about doing. And it's not trying to control you. It's trying to help you be a productive member of society. So that we control, can control the things that, uh, that, that would hurt us. All right, so one of the last ones here. Um, one of my first jobs was coaching children's gymnastics. This is probably good. My description called on me to set up the gym, to lead the classes of cheer- children of various ages, and to demonstrate new uh, skills to kids. One of the things I learned was not everybody has the same capabilities. <laughs> That's true. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not everybody has the same capabilities. Just because Bubba catches on really fast mm-hmm. to this and, and he's light on his feet doesn't necessarily mean Greg is going to. Now, does that make you a failure if you're the coach? No. It's kind of back to that first uh, mm-hmm. principle we learned of them's the breaks, right? Um, and everybody is, is kind of individual in certain yeah. things. Uh, each person has uh, different needs and skills and gifts mm-hmm. and abilities. Also, it's important to uh, engage each person individually. Yeah. And what this coach realized, and her, her name was Beth, and she's from out in Colorado, she said one of the things she realized was some of those people who weren't particularly gifted became the best dancers, yeah. became the best gymnasts, because I took time with them. Mm-hmm. They were intent on learning. They wanted to learn. Some of the people who were naturally gifted really never developed right. anything. Is that, uh, is that almost a heartbreaking situation when you know somebody is particularly talented, but they don't see the most of, of that talent? It is, yeah. Uh, in, in all facets of life. So I hope, as we discussed here, these things we may have learned from our first jobs we'll refresh them in our mind and maybe even in our practices as we go to our jobs and we make labor in America more productive. Discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting 
the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.